The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good morning. Welcome to New Song Church. If you don't know me, my name is David. I'm the worship pastor here at New Song. And I want to take a second before we get started to welcome all the people that couldn't join us today that are tuning in online, which is literally everyone because of social distancing. (laughs) We're so glad that you're here today. We believe that Jesus is in this place. Um, I want to thank our worship team. Like, man, that we were getting... We were getting fired up in here today. I know that you guys were encountering God, encountering God right where you were at. Thank you, church, for not allowing what's going on right now to keep you from Jesus. Like, he's still worthy of our praise. He's still worthy of our worship. He's still worthy of our attention. And I believe that he wants to, to speak something to us today. And just so everybody knows, fortunately, I don't have to preach to an empty room today. Uh, I've got our pastors here and our amazing worship and production team helping me out with the amens. Help me out with amen. So let let me pray, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that you are here in this place. We worship you. We focus our attention on you right now. Lord, would you speak through me only what you want to say? In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. amen. Well, we've been in this series called New Song Normals, where we've been talking about the culture that we have here at New Song, the things that we consider to be normal. And Pastor Josh has spent the past two weeks unpacking two of the the normals that I feel like are the most important to our culture, the the most abnormal thing to the world, which is um, transparency and health. And the reason why I think these are two of the most important is because they're the two of the rarest to find. As someone who's grown up in church um, most of my life, has been around church my entire life, has a lot of friends that are in ministry in different areas and different organizations, I can tell you that these are rare to find, transparency and health. They sound really good on paper, but it's hard to cultivate into your culture because it goes so far against what the world says is important. The The world says how much you produce is really important. The world says that the image that you put out there is really important. And those normals of health and transparency can be very abnormal. And I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of a church that champions this so well. I want to tell you that our pastors really do practice what they preach in this area. Uh, I know I speak for our whole staff and, I, and, and, and our families too, and I say thank you um, because you've worked so hard to make health and transparency a focus on our team and, 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 and how we lead our teams as well. And so thank you guys for the culture that you've produced. And, and what's interesting about culture though that I, th- I think is interesting is that it's made up of all these things that, that, that we just consider to be normal. It's like, it's what makes a family a family, what they just consider to be normal. And I don't know if this has happened to you before, but um, I grew up in a, in a family that capitalized on fun, but as, it was a great family. But as I grew up and got married and left the house, I started to discover that some of the things that I thought were normal actually weren't normal at all. They were kind of weird and abnormal. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I started to realize that, oh, not everyone just grew up the way I did. Let me give you some examples of that. One of them is called Snicky Snacks. Now, Snicky Snacks are these things that at any time in the night, one of us could raise our hand and go to our parents and go, hey, can we have a Snicky Snack? And if the answer was yes, then the entire family would go to the kitchen. And, and I grew up in Texas. We, we would usually eat a giant bowl of Bluebell ice cream 
or Oreos. My family was a big fan of Oreos. Or if it was towards the beginning of the year and we were feeling especially healthy, uh, we would cut up strawberries and put them in a bowl and then just coat them on top with sugar. <laughs> on top. Yes, this is right before bed. It was called a sneaky snack. And it wasn't until, I think I was at a staff party, um, and I think I was talking to Jake Lippert, and I just mentioned sneaky snacks. It just came out. I thought it was a normal thing. And he's like, wait, hold up. Sneaky snacks. Explain that to me. And I'm like, you know, it's a snack that you, you sneak right before bed and you, you do it. And he's like, wait, your family just let you guys have sugar right before bed? Yeah. And I learned that this was normal for me. I just thought it was everybody had, did things like this. But no, it was actually abnormal. And I feel bad for all the kids that grew up without sneaky snacks because it was a great integral part of my childhood. Or, or there's this example when um, I... Early on, my family started to indoctrinate us that when we went on vacations or trips that you don't waste money on like things at the gift shop, like souvenirs, like t-shirts and keychains, because the the gift shops are just trying to, to get your money. And to get you to waste money on things that, that you don't need and that, that you could get anywhere. And this became a source of conflict in our marriage uh, right off the bat. It was on our honeymoon, we went on a cruise. And if you've ever been on a cruise before, you stop at all these different ports and, and that are in different countries. And every, every port has all of these really cheesy souvenirs. And at every port, Kaylee would get off the boat and she would go, I want to spend $25 on this t-shirt. And I was like, no. We're not going to waste 25 bucks on this t-shirt that you're never going to wear. And, and to her, what I was finding out to her, this was an integral part of how they, as their family, celebrated. Like the question she asked is, how, how am I supposed to, how are we supposed to look back and remember this time if we don't have this memento to, to remind us of how great this trip was? And I'm just kind of going, why don't we just save the $25 and just remember that the trip was good? Like, we we don't need to spend $25 on this t-shirt that we're never going to wear. But what I was learning was that what was normal to me was abnormal to her. And what was abnormal to me was normal to her, that this this was a part of the experience for them. And that even now, um, when the Veditos, when they go on vacations, they always bring back a little something for Abel or for us. And I'm I'm proud to, to say that after five years of marriage, when we go on a trip and on a vacation, we still buy a t-shirt because choose your battles. (laughs) But why why do I bring this up? This idea of two contradicting normals coming together is because what a family values determines what's normal and what's normal determines your culture and what's your culture determines what kind of effectiveness you're going to have, what kind of effectiveness a family is going to have. And, And the normal that we're talking about today, the new song normal that we're talking about today is in direct opposition to what the world determines and says is normal. And it's not just an important part of what it means to be a part of the family here at New Song, but it's an important part of what it means to be a part of God's family. It's an important part of what it means to be a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus, to follow after Jesus. And it's the normal of serving. And I think as people, we tend to um, kind of confuse what serving is. I think, I think we think that serving is what we do for other people. And that's true in part. But as I was digging, this, digging into this, this this week and I was looking into this and, and studying this out, what I learned was that serving has less to do about what you do for other people and more to do with how you see people. Like serving has less to do with this list of good and kind things that we extend towards others and has more to do with this perspective that we have towards others. What, what I learned was that serving is a mindset. It, it's, it's a posture that we have. If you're taking notes, write that down. Serving is a posture. And to help, 
help us this morning, to help us kind of put this into context, I've got this, this saying that we're going to say over and over again. It's this, it's that serving says God over others and others over self. God over others and others over selves. Let's break that down just a little bit. So the first bit is really important. God over others. Our first priority in everything that we do is God. It's serving God, honoring God, worshiping God. Every action, attitude, area of our life needs to be filtered through and motivated by this idea of does this please God? Look, look what it says here in, in Galatians 1.10. It says this, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's such a great question to filter the motives of your life through. What this verse tells us is that you've got two options. You can either serve culture or you can serve creator. You can either serve man and yourself and your pride and your flesh, or you can live a life in service to God. Culture right now wants us to show faith. I mean, to, to show fear. But serving Jesus means that we're gonna, we're gonna show faith. Like culture right now wants us to, if we're going to serve culture, it wants us to hoard up groceries and to, and to prepare like it's the apocalypse. But if, if we're going to serve Jesus, and that means being benevolent and being generous. Serving Jesus looks so different than serving culture. And so we have to ask the question, am I doing this to please God or am I doing this to please man? Our number one goal in everything we do, it is God over others. We're going we're gonna to seek the approval of God over man. But here's the second part, others over self. Philippians 2, 3 says this. It says, let nothing, everyone say nothing. nothing. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And how applicable is that verse to the climate that we find ourselves in today? In loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's what I mean when I'm saying that serving isn't an action, it's a posture. It's, it's loneliness of mind. It's this mindset that says, it's, it's this, we take this humble mindset that says, I'm going to put other people, other people's well-being, other people's, uh, uh, other people's happiness, I'm going to put other people over my own. In, in this season that, that says we need to watch out for ourselves, God's inviting us to say, let's watch out for others. It's not just that I'm going to put the interests of other people in front of my own momentarily, but that, I'm, that what that verse says is that I'm going to consider them more important altogether. Together. Look what that verse says in, in, uh, in the Amplified Version, Philippians 2.3. It says this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through factional motives, meaning with no ulterior motives, or strife, meaning not to serve, to kill them with kindness or to try to prove anything, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourself. Listen, the heart behind why you serve is just as important as how you serve. The heart behind why you do things is just as important as how you do things. You know, I, 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 early on, we're told to put others first. We, we, we know that as children, that we're supposed to value other people. But I want to ask you this question. How often do we serve with ulterior motives? Like, how often, how often do we do things to, to give our ego a boost? You know, so that when we go to bed at night, we can go, oh, I'm a good person. Like I do these things. How often, how often do we serve or, or we do things to, to try to manipulate the favor of God on our lives? Or how often do, do, do we serve to change the opinion and the perspective of other people? Like the question I want to ask is, are we doing kind things because we care or are we doing kind things because we want people to think that we're kind? Yeah. 
we're trying to put this image forward that we're, we're a good person, that we're kind. And I just want to tell you, if that's your motivation for serving, if that's your motivation for doing what you're doing, it's not serving anymore, it's manipulation. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to manipulate God, you're trying to manipulate yourself, you're trying to manipulate other people into thinking that you're something. But what God is challenging us to do is have a, is have a higher standard of serving this morning, a kind of standard that, that requires a shift to others over self. Why? Because God knows that there's power in serving. Serving does a few different things. When we serve with, a God of, with an others over self mindset, it does a couple of things. Here's the first thing it does is serving shows Jesus. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we serve with an others over self mindset, it causes people to pause and to take notice. It's so, it's so contrary to, to the world that we live in, to do things simply not to get anything in, in return, but simply just to serve out of a selflessness. It, it causes people to pause and to take notice of the power and the love of God working in you because it's a kind of love that can't come from yourself. It's a kind of love that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. It causes people to take a notice. That verse has a, has a promise in it for us. At New Song Church, we believe in standing on the word, right? Like we believe in, in standing on the promises of God. This verse has a promise in it. It's that as we serve others, Jesus becomes magnified. As we serve others, we introduce people to Jesus, which is so cool because we all want to make a difference in our lives, right? Like we all want to make a difference in this climate. Uh, this, this world right now, it, it's, it's begging for someone to stand up and go, look, I'm going to show you the way. And this verse says that all you have to do to make a difference is to just serve. You want to make a difference in your school? You want to make a difference in your school, kids? All you have to do is put others first. Because when you put others first and you serve, what you're doing is you're showing them Jesus. You want, to, you want to make a difference in your workplace, in your families, wherever you are. You want to make a difference? All you have to do is put other people first. When we serve this way, what it does is it exposes Jesus. It shows Jesus. It shows the light of God shining through us. So the first thing that, that serving does is serving shows Jesus. But the second thing that serving does is serving changes you. When you put an emphasis on others first, it forces humility in your heart. Colossians tells us to clothe ourselves in humility. It means, means, it means it's a choice. It's an action that we take. And that's why, especially in the context of relationships, serving is a really useful tool, especially when you're in a conflict. Because when you're in a conflict with your, you know, your, your spouse or your friend, what happens in that moment is your pride begins to be welled up. And the Bible says that the enemy is the father of lies. And so this is what his game plan is, is when there's conflict. Is he's going to come to you and he's going to speak to your pride. He's going to try to lie and interpret the other person to you. So he's going he's gonna to try to come to you. Again, he's speaking through your pride, through your flesh. He's going to say things like, that person doesn't care about you. That person's taking you for granted. That person doesn't hear you. They don't want to hear you. They're not listening. And he's going to try to interpret the other person to you. And so when we serve, what happens is it pushes down that pride and it mutes the enemy. But not only that, it's that it changes the heart of the person that you're in conflict with. Because as you serve them, you better believe that if the enemy is lying to you about them, the enemy's lying to them about you. And so they're having these same lies being filtered through them and speaking to their pride. So when we serve, when we put others first, not to manipulate, now, I'm not saying that we serve to get out of conflict, but what I'm saying is when we serve, we choose to, to put our pride down, to take a posture of service and humility. It requires humility. We put on humility. What does it mutes the enemy and what it tells, what it tells that other person is it tells them, listen, I know we may be in conflict right now, 
but I value you and I value this relationship and I'm willing to serve you to show that. And I want to get real with you just a little bit this morning. Remember, Pastor Josh last week was talking about transparency. God can't bless the you you pretend to be. So is that okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little peek into our life a little bit. Just going to try to be real. Sometimes when Kaylee and I are in um, discussions at home, I am the type of person that I like to, to kind of tackle conflict head on. I just want to deal with it. That's the normal that I grew up with. It's like if there's a problem, like it was almost annoying. Like you couldn't, you couldn't like go and, and simmer anywhere. It was almost like we're just going to poke you until you, you come out with why you're upset. Like let's talk about it. Why are you upset? So I, I had to learn um, when we got married that, that Kaylee doesn't process that way. She needs some time to go and think and, and, and figure out kind of how she feels about stuff. And so when we get into a discussion, she usually goes into another room to think for just a little bit. And then I usually channel my emotional energy towards deep cleaning something. And usually it starts out in the kitchen. And I'm just, I'm being honest, being transparent. Uh, Usually it doesn't start out with a great heart behind it. Like usually I'm going, look how sweet I am cleaning these dishes. She can't stay mad at me if I'm cleaning these dishes like this. I'm serving my family. Look how great I am patting myself on the back. I'm serving them. And let me just tell you, she can stay mad at me (laughs) even while I'm serving. One time um, uh, we got into a discussion and she went into the other room. And so I'm cleaning and I'm being very confident in my cleaning. You know, I'm not saying I'm throwing stuff around, but I'm saying I'm not gently closing the cabinets, if you know what I mean. I want her to know I'm serving her in there, you know. I want to soften her heart a little bit. And so an hour goes by and I'm running out of things to clean. Two hours goes by. She hasn't emerged from the bedroom yet. Three hours goes by. And so then I'm like, okay, you know, I'll be the bigger person here. I'll go apologize first. I'll go to her. And I I walk back to the bedroom. And I'm not kidding. All the lights are on. She's fully clothed, fast asleep in the bedroom, fully asleep. Why, Why do I tell you that story? I tell you that story because there's something that happens to me in the process of serving that reminds me of my place. When I begin to serve my family... When I begin to serve someone, even, that, even someone I'm in conflict with, it reminds me of my place, that I'm actually called to be the chief servant in my home. That, that, that when, I, when I'm serving my family, I'm reminded that I want to be the kind of person, I want to be the kind of dad, I want to be the kind of father, the kind of husband that means it when they says that I'm going I'm to put their feelings and their thoughts above mine. I, and when we serve, we remind ourselves, we clothe ourselves in humility it totally changes the atmosphere of a relationship. And so maybe during this season of social distancing, tempers are running a little bit high in your home. You know, maybe you guys are on top of each other like sardines. I, I, I want to encourage you with this. I want to challenge you with this. What if this season was a setup for service? Like, what if we cho- chose to make this season a season where we really instill service into the culture of our families? Like, like, what if, you know, you guys are around each other all day? What, what if, as, a, as the dad, you take all the kids to one corner of the house for like an hour without being asked? Let mom have a little bit of their space. Or, or kids, what, what, what if you cleaned up without, without being asked to? What if you straightened up without being asked to? Um, what, what if we did things and we looked for ways to serve others in this season where maybe their tempers and, and, and emotions are running a little high, where we're on top of each other? What if we turn this into an opportunity to serve? So serving changes you. Serving shows Jesus. But the third thing is this, is serving makes you great. Do you know that God wants greatness for you? Yeah. He does. Every dad wants 
to raise kids that will go up and accomplish great things. But I think that we confuse greatness with position or success. And greatness is different than those things because those things only exist on a perspective level, meaning that those things are up to the perspective of the people around you to determine your position and to define what success is. And, And greatness is different than those things. Greatness is actually something that you can feel. You look back in history, and history is full of great individuals. I think of like Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King Jr., that if you take them out of the equation, it totally changes the trajectory of history. Greatness isn't something that you can always see, but it's something that you can always feel. You can sense people that, that, that have greatness in them. Um, they, they have a gravitational pull on their, on their lives that changes the trajectory of the lives of the people around them. As a leader of a serve team here at New Song, I can tell you that some of the greatest people on my team aren't always, uh, don't have to always be the most talented. They're just the biggest servants. Like I think of people um, that if I were to take them out of our operation, it would completely fall, fall apart. It would leave a giant hole. Like I think of people like Casey Bush. He's over there running the camera this morning. Casey Bush from day one of, of New Song. He's been here since the beginning. Casey Bush from day one has the pad, the posture, the position of whatever I could do to help. It wasn't about a, a position. It wasn't about a promotion. It wasn't about a, I want to do things my way. It was a, whatever I can do to help. And what's so valuable about a servant leader like Casey is that they reproduce this culture in other people. It's very contagious when, when, when you meet somebody that serves this way. And so now, fast forward five years, we've got a team on our production team full of individuals that at the beginning of this week, it was so easy to put together all this, all this live stream stuff. It was very low stress because we have a team of people that all approached it with with the mindset of whatever I can do to help. I think of guys like Keith. I think of guys like Jay. I think of guys like Nathan, Casey, that at the beginning of the week when we met together, every, every answer was just met with whatever I can do to help, whatever I can do to make this happen. And so, so greatness isn't something that you can always see, but it's something that's always felt and that God knows the secret to greatness. And greatness comes through serving. Look what it says in Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them to himself and said... The disciples are in the middle of a conflict right now. You know that the rulers of, of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. What's he doing? He's challenging their normal. He's, he's changing their normal in that moment. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. Notice the progression here. If you want to be great, be a servant. But if you want to be first, I don't know if you've ever noticed it before. If you, if you want to be first, if you want to be a leader, if you desire to make an impact, be their slave. Jesus is speaking to two levels of, of serving here. The, the first is this, a servant. A servant serves because it's their job. A servant serves because there's a reward involved. A servant serves because somebody asked them to. But a slave serves because of who they belong to speaks to identity. If you want to be a leader, if you want to have an impact, you got to realize who you belong to. Because when you realize who you belong to, you realize that you belong to Christ, that your life is no longer your own, but it's been purchased by Christ. Therefore, you take up the mind of Christ. And you know how Christ sees people? He sees people with another over self mentality because Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so, so that we tap into a different level of impact when we tap into a different level of serving, which says that I don't just serve because it's what I should do. I serve because it's who I am. I'm a servant. Christ has recreated 
created himself and me, and now I can serve the world around us. Jesus, in that, in that moment right there, flips the social norm of the world, and he says that greatness is no longer determined by, determined by the amount of people you serve, but by, but by the amount of people that you serve. I'm going to say that again. Greatness isn't determined by, by the amount of people that serve you, but by the amount of people that you serve. There's a quote that we have uh, on a flashcard above our sink, and I, I read it in a book somewhere. I don't know who said it first, but this guy, the, the author of this book, was talking about this quote, and so I wanted to incorporate it into our culture of our family. And it's this quote that says, it's right above our sink. We have on, on this little flashcard, and it says, greatness is achieved here three times daily. And it's such a great reminder to me. You know, I'm, I'm 25 years old. I'm about to be 26 years old. I'm in this season of life where, where life is moving very quickly for me. I've got, a, I've got an almost two-year-old, which is just insane. I just remember bringing him home from the hospital. I've been married for five years now. That's half a decade. My life is quickly moving by. And I'm beginning, I'm beginning to ask the question, is my life headed for the things that I want it to? Like, am I going to leave the impact on this earth that, that I hoped to whenever I was 18 and 17 and 16. And, th- and what that quote reminds me of is that greatness isn't achieved through how much you do. That there's opportunities for greatness all around us. That in my family, if I wanna be a great husband, all I have to do is serve. All I gotta do is do the dishes. That that's an opportunity for greatness right there. You wanna be a great mom? Just serve your family. You, you, want, you, want, you wanna be great at anything, fight for the bottom. Fight for the things that nobody wants to do. Fight for the, the people that nobody wants to serve. Like it, it, there's, there are certain things that we can serve that are popular to serve. They're attractive to serve. They're, they're fun to do. Fight for the things that no one wants to fight for. Fight for the people that no one wants to fight for. Greatness is achieved here three times daily. Is there areas of service? Is, is there, let me ask you this question. Is there areas of greatness that God wants for you that you're letting go by undone? We want to develop a culture of, of service here, a culture that says God over others, others over self. But there's this phrase that we want to adopt at New Song to help car- carry this out. Because we want to do great things in the city for Jesus. We believe that God has called our church to great things. And I know that the, the season that we find, that every church finds themselves in right now is very foggy. But how many of you know that what you see doesn't change what God said? And so we believe that, I really do believe that this is an opportunity that God wants to turn for the good of his church. That we're going to see revival take place. And what it's going to require from us is it's going to require this mindset shift. This mind shift to, to second mile, second nature. Second mile, second nature. This phrase comes from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, um, which, by the way, is just a great passage to study out right now because it talks about how we're supposed to relate to the world around us. Well, let's read a, a portion of it. Matthew 5, 41 through 42. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. Give to him who asks you, and, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. In Jesus' time, the Roman government were the reigning superpowers. And so in the areas that they had conquered, they had this law in place that said that any, any government official, any soldier could compel you, order you, no matter where you were going or what you were doing, to carry their belongings for one mile. And for obvious reasons, the, the, the people that the Romans had conquered did not like this rule. They resented this rule, so much so that they had little mile markers set up outside of town so that they knew exactly how far they had to go to carry this order out. They didn't want to take one step further to serve these people more than they were required to by law. And Jesus in this moment flips the script and he says, hey, don't just do the bare minimum, but double it. 
Double it. These people that are oppressing you, that are asking something unreasonable from you, double it. Show them me by the way that you serve them in faith. Jesus gives us an opportunity to use our faith in this passage because what he's saying is this. Lean in with me here. It says that the first mile is the mandated mile. Someone or something is requiring us to do it. But the second mile is the miracle mile. You do it in faith and something supernatural takes place. We want to be a church full of people with a second mile, second nature. So the first mile is motivated by law. Let me, let me unpack this first mile for a second. The first mile is motivated by law. Someone's asked you to do it. You know that you should do it, so you do it. Like, like for instance, as a church, we're going into a brand new season with this building, which we're so excited about where we're going to be hosting more people like never before. So our kids' classes, we're going we're gonna to be breaking them up into some different, we're going to be opening up some new kids' classes. Like our Boomtown room is going to be split into two different rooms, one that's six years old through second grade, and then the second room is going to be third grade through sixth grade. It's going to be called Threshold. We're going to be able to, to better minister to kids right where they are. Or our nursery, we're going to be separating that into two different rooms where um, the first room is going to be uh, birth through one and the second room is going to be one through two. It's going to help us kind of separate the crawlers and the walkers out. And this has been a need for a long time because apparently we go to a very fertile church. <laughs> There's always babies being born. And I bet in, in about eight or nine months, I expect to see those numbers spike a little bit after that Chick-fil-A message. Turn your neighbors, say, keep it spicy. Um, a, a, another area that we're, that we're wanting to build a team up is our greeter team. In this new space, our parking lot's going to be way bigger than it is now. Our, we're going to have more doors, more, more spaces that we need to be welcoming people. We're going to be hosting more people than ever. There's going to be some explosive growth that takes place when we get into this new space. And so we need people to help us build those teams so we can best steward those people. This is a first mile ask that we're asking. We're asking that if you don't already serve on a serve team, um, we're asking that you would consider to serve on one of those two teams, that you would consider to serve on the greeter team or that you would consider to serve in our kids' ministry. And, and if you are on a serve team and you only serve a couple times a month, if you're able, you know, we're not asking you to, to sacrifice the health that we, we talked about a couple weeks ago, but if you're able, I, we want you to pray about considering serving a couple more weekends than you already do out of the month. This is a first mile request that we're asking. We're asking our whole church to rally behind this. Or, or there's some spiritual things, some spiritual first mile things that we do. Like for instance, the Bible says to tithe, so we're going to tithe. The Bible says to forgive. The Bible says to, that we're going to pray, that we're going to worship, that we're going to read the word. These are first mile principles. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're still working on your first mile, like if you're new to church, you're new to the things of God, you're new to new song, I just want to encourage you, don't feel bad about that. Like, keep running. Keep, keep going. Keep working on that first mile. You, you can't get to the second mile until you run the first mile. It's not a race. It's not a race. It's, it's not a destination. It's a process. And so continue to work, continue to run. But those are first mile principles. So let's talk about second mile principles, where, where the second mile, first mile is motivated by law, but the second mile is motivated by love. Because of our love for God and others, we willingly choose to go the second mile. Let me, let me say it another way. The first mile is motivated by fact. The fact is, we're moving into a new building. We need these spots filled. The fact is that we're asking our church to, to step up to the plate and to, to sign up to serve in these rooms. The fact is the Bible talks about tithing. The fact is the Bible says to forgive and to, and to pray. Those are facts. Well, the first mile is motivated by fact. The second mile is motivated by faith. Like no one's asking you to do it. No, no one will notice if you don't do it. You know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's motivated completely by the fact that, that I'm going to believe in faith that as I take these steps that no one's asking me to do, as I take these steps, that something miraculous is going to take place. 
So we're saying at, at, at New Song that we want to have a second mile, second nature. So let me unpack. Uh, I'm going to spend just the next couple of minutes talking about some different areas where second mile opportunities already exist in your life. We want to have a second mile, second nature culture. In order for something to be your nature, it needs to be your natural response. And we're not born this way. It takes practice. It takes practice to turn something from practice to nature. So I just want to encourage you, it's not going to feel natural at first. It's okay. Something's got to be practiced in order for it to become your nature. We practice the word until it becomes natural for us. And the first area, though, that that I want to talk about second mile opportunities is in your family. It's where ministry starts. If we want to make a difference, we've got to start in our family. So here's a question you can ask yourself to identify some second mile opportunities. What's something I can take off of someone else's to-do list? What's something I can take, I can do to take off of someone else's to-do list? Everyone in your family has chore lists. We all have things that we do to help keep the family running. If you're a kid, maybe it's not your night to do the dishes. What if you went to your brother and you told him, hey, I'll do the dishes tonight. You can go play video games early. Or, or what, if, um, um, what if you're a, uh, a dad and your job isn't to do the laundry? In our family, my job's not the laundry, my job's the floors. What if you threw a couple loads in without being asked? Like these are small steps that we can take. Or um, this is a big one for those of you that have small children. Um, what if on Saturday morning you woke up and you muted your spouse's alarm and you got up with the kids and you made them breakfast and you played with them and you tried to keep them quiet so that your spouse could sleep in a little bit longer. These are second mile opportunities because this is our family. Um, Let's go a little bit bigger. Let's talk about new song. Let's widen our circle a little bit. Here's a question you can ask yourself. How can I make my leader's job easier? How can I make my leader's job easier? What have you found out your, if you're on a serve team, what have you found out your leader's coffee order? Mine is a grande americana, blonde roast with an extra shot of espresso. I'm not talking, I'm just, I'm just saying to help you guys, not to help me. I'm not saying I need, I need people to be bringing me coffee all the time. I'm just saying if you're looking for some second mile opportunities to use your faith, that's what I tend to drink. I usually like it right before service because it's still warm. Um, what if you brought your leader's coffee every once in a while? Or just anyone on your team without being asked, without being prompted? What if you just did it? That's the thing about Second Mile is that I think we, we would all be willing to do things if the Holy Spirit prompted us to do it. But with Second Mile things like this, the Holy Spirit is, is waiting to see where your heart's at. But it's an indication of where your heart's at. If your heart's directed towards others or if it's directed towards you. Like if we have to be told to do everything, then are we really being, walking in the mindset of Christ? Like are we really walking these things out or are we waiting to, for our orders? Like there's a difference between operating through the orders that God's called you to do and walk, walking through the ordination of being a servant on this earth and being a light on this earth. So don't be asked. Don't wait for the Holy Spirit to ask you. Here's another, here's another idea. What, what if you see that someone on your team is going to be sick that week. And so what if you went to your leader and you volunteered to fill that serve spot? You volunteered to save, stay in extra service and fill that serve spot so that your, your uh, leader didn't have to try to scramble to find somebody else. Or what if this, what if during this season where we are depending on social media like never before, what if you went above and beyond to be active and engaged on our social media page? This is, these are small steps that you can take. The second mile is not a long one. It's just made up of little bitty steps that we can take to go the extra mile. It's, it's what makes the difference, okay? So we, we, we talked about our, um, we talked about our family, we talked about our church, and, and, I, and sorry, before I move on, I do want to mention this that we are full of a church of people that are second mile servants. I almost forgot this part. This is the whole reason. I've built this whole message around this part right here. 
We have so many second mile servants in our church, and I want to highlight a couple of them for you because I think a big part of this is, is I can, we can talk all day long about what it sounds like, but seeing what it looks like is really important for us to be able to contextualize it, okay? So I'm just going to highlight a couple second mile servants that we have in our church. The first one is James and Tammy Rainey. James and Tammy Rainey, their sons, Micah and Gideon, serve on our worship team. Micah's shredding on the guitar. Gideon's the guy playing piano back here. But James and Tammy Rainey, they serve faithfully in our kids' rooms. They serve every special event, every quip, every worship night. Where their sons are up here, um, they, they choose to go back and serve your kids back in that room. But not only that... Um, a couple of, of months ago, a couple of years ago, they noticed, along with another couple in our family, John and Christy Johnson, they noticed that there was a need um, for our worship team to have food in the morning. Our worship and production team are here early, 6 a.m., all the way sometimes to 2 or 3. And, and if there's no food back here, then a lot of times they, they go without eating. And so they saw a need there. And without being asked, without being told, they set up a meal train and they bring breakfast every single week for our team. It's a small thing, but it's second mile. Second person is one of my favorite people on the entire planet, Miss Judy. We all love Miss Judy. I've been feeling your amens this morning. Even though you're not here, I can feel it. Um, What I love about Miss Judy's story is we all know what kind of powerhouse she is as a worship leader. But when she came to our church, she didn't run to the stage. Like, she didn't run to the platform to serve. Um, She looked and she found a need on our greeter team. Like that she identified that, that even though she's got a gifting and a passion to do things up here, she saw that as a greater area of need. And so she served faithfully there. But not only that, I started noticing that she'd serve a couple weekends a, a, a month. She's out of town a lot. The weekends that she's here, she'd be serving. But then she'd attend almost every service. Like I was like, you don't have to stay here, all three services. But she does. She sits right there in that middle, middle, amening, cheering on our pastors, worshiping, engaging. It's second mile behavior. She's, she's, she's the epitome of second mile service. Yeah. Third person, Kobe Moran. Kobe's one of our ushers. Started in a men's group. He was just attending a men's group. And then he saw a need for more men's leaders. And so he stepped up to the plate. He said, hey, David, I'd like, to, I'd like to lead a tribe group. And then not only that, but he saw the need for somebody to own that and somebody to lead all of our men's groups. So he stepped up to the plate and did that. Then not only that, a couple of months ago, without being asked, without being told, he just started staying during teardown. Like we all just started no- noticing on the worship team, like Kobe's just like, you don't, you've been here all day, man. You don't have to stay. He's not motivated by anything other than just, man, you guys are here and I, I want to help out. I want to be a part of what's going on. He's second mile servant. Fourth person, Jake We're going to name buildings after this guy one day. He handles all of our setup and teardown. If anyone has an excuse to to go, okay, I've done my part. I'm going to go home now. It's Jake. But um, he he doesn't stop there. He's so motivated by our love and our vision and and our pastor's passion to to minister to the next generation that he spends a couple of weekends coming back and he serves in our fours and fives room. He's a second mile servant. Last person, Emily Lawrenson. Emily Lawrenson, if you don't know her, she runs a daycare, some different daycares in a school out of her house. And not just that, she's around kids all week long. Not just that, she also has five children of her own that are small. Six, if you include her husband, Jared. So she's got five small children and one large child. If anyone has an excuse not to serve in kids ministry, I think it would be Emily Lawrenson. She's literally around kids all the time. But no, Emily, from the very beginning, from from one of the first weekends, has faithfully been serving in our kids' classes. But not only that, 
um, when there was an opportunity for uh, leadership, when there was an opportunity for somebody to come and help coordinate our fours and fives classes, she stepped up to the plates. Now she helps Joy develop curriculum. These, these are a list of second mile servants. Our church is full of them. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you, if you're looking for what it means to be a second mile servant, find a second mile servant and let them be your pace runner. Right. Allow them to model, uh, allow yourself to model your, your life after them. So we talked about our family. We talked about our church. Let's go out just a little bit wider. Let's talk about our city. And this is a crazy time that we're witnessing right now. And I'll be honest, it's, it's very surreal for me. Like I look around and it seems very, it seems very surreal. It feels like I, I'm looking at history unfold before us. Like this is something that we're going to be talking about. But this is what I believe though. I believe that this is the perfect opportunity as the church to display the love of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I believe it when God says that he takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for yeah. good. Yeah. And darkness is required to show light. And God's using this season, I believe, to start revival, to bring the hearts of his people back to him, yeah. to deepen the church, to, to enrich the church, yeah. to, to, to lengthen the church and strengthen the church. But God doesn't do this alone. He uses people. He partners with people. So here's the question you can ask yourself. What can you do? What can you do to turn the situation that we find ourselves in right now for the good of somebody else? That's a hard question to ask right now. Because remember what we said that says that God is, that serving is God over others and others, others over self. I believe this, so we are in a prime sowing season. We're in prime sowing season to sow seeds of faith and, and, and love and, and peace and hope into the lives of the people that are around us. There are hearts that are so open right now so desperately needing a something to put their foot on, something to grab their, their footing. So my question to you is, what can you do right now? The enemy would want you to think that there's not much. We're supposed to be hoarded up and we're supposed to be social distancing, but I challenge you that there is a lot you can do. Do you have any older people on your street? I've got this elderly couple that lives across the street from me and they're really sweet. Um, and I, I went across the street the other day on, on Thursday and I knocked on their door and I, I gave them some distance because, you know, we want to be respectful and we want to, we want to be safe. But I just simply asked, hey, if there's anything that I can do for you, I just want to let you know I would love to do it. And, and she, she politely said she didn't need anything. She said, I've got some kids that are, that are making me stay inside. And she was real sweet about it. But I could tell how it impacted her spirit that somebody was looking out for someone other than, than themselves. Do, do, you, do you have any people on your friend list or in your neighborhood that can't work from home? That's a big problem for people right now. Could, could you offer to watch their kids for a couple days? Could, could, could you reach out to your kids' teachers? Your teachers are gonna, your kids' teachers are gonna miss your kids through this season. They love your kids. Could you reach out to them? Could you send them a video of your kids, telling them how much they love them, how much they miss them? What can you do? What can we do? My point is this, the enemy's using this time. He's not sitting back and taking it easy on us. Like he's not looking at everything going on and go, well, they have a lot going on. Let me take it easy. No, his plan is to isolate us, to get us to selfishly hide away and waste days, weeks, maybe months, binge watching Netflix and Disney Plus. He, he, he tempts us to think, I'll watch out for me. That's what crisis tempts us to think, is I'll watch out for me. But Christ is inviting you to think this morning, I'll watch out for them. Like crisis tempts us to think, I gotta watch out for me and mine. But Christ invites us to think, I'll make them me and mine. I heard, I heard it said this week that, that fear says, what if? 
But faith says, even if. Even if the world is crumbling around me right now, I'm going to serve with joy. Even though the world might be uncertain right now, even though finances might seem uncertain and not guaranteed right now, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to go out of my way to be benevolent. I'm going to be out of my way to serve the community and the people around me because it's who I am that motivates me to live like Christ. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to think, what if? I'm going to think, even it. I'm going to be looking for opportunities to reach out to other people. So my question for you today is this. I know that you're full of faith. I know we go to a church where our pastors have have shepherded us so well for just a time as this, where we know how to stand on the Word. We know what the Word of God says. We know that we're covered in the shadow of the Almighty. Like, we know we're protected. My question for you is this. Is anyone getting to see your faith on display? I'm not just talking about hearing about your faith. I'm not talking about just posting about your faith, boasting about your faith, looking at the world and going, how can you guys be so afraid right now? My trust is in Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying is people being able to read about your faith. I'm saying are people being able to see your faith in action to other people around you? Because there are people that are desperately looking and needing a touch from Jesus right now. People all around you that are desperately needing a taste of his goodness and his peace. And when you serve them and you extend the hand of Christ to them, what you're giving them an opportunity to do is to experience the goodness of God. The Bible says, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How are you supposed to taste unless someone gives you a bite? Listen, the way that that, that we extend the hand of God is we do the things that Jesus did. And he gave his life sacrificially for the, for the lives of other people he served. Is anyone getting to see your faith this morning? Look what it says in this. And I'll close with this. First John three eighteen. It says this. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Look at what the Amplified Version says. It says, little children. Such a sweet approach that God takes towards us. Little children, believers, dear ones, let us not love merely in theory, with word or with tongue, giving lip service to compassion, but in action and in truth, in practice and sincerity, because practical acts of love are more than words. Is your faith on display? Here's what we say. We we say we want to have a God over... over over others mentality. We want to have an others over self mentality. We want to serve with a second mile, second nature, because this is the time. This earth is ripe for revival right now. This, This world is full of opportunity to extend the light and the love of Jesus. People are looking for something to put their trust in. And let me just tell you, they're watching your life. They've seen, they're, they're looking to see if the person that you've professed to put your faith in, if he's going to deliver you through this. And when, when we extend service, when we look towards others, when we look beyond ourselves, what we show them is, listen, yeah, I've got faith in God so much so that I'm able to not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stowed away worried about what's going to happen. I'm worrying about other people right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? God, would you show us? Show us the second mile opportunities around us, Lord. Show us. Help us, Lord. Help us to serve like you. 
Lord, it, it, fear is a very real thing right now. Lord, we don't, we don't deny fear, but what, what we do, Lord, I pray that you would help us to put our trust and our faith in you in this season, not so that we would feel better at night, but so that we would be in a posture and a position to help the people around us, Lord. That this would be a season that your kingdom grows, a season that your kingdom is deepened, Lord, a season where your church rises to the call and the commission to serve, to love, to seek, and to save the lost, Lord, to point people to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.